the media landscape in America is busted. Americans are on to the omissions, the half-truths, and the outright lies being propagated against we, the people. Your host, Tom Harris, will bring you the other side of the story. With freedoms and fundamental Judeo-Christian values under attack across the Western world, it's now more important than ever for ordinary people to speak out. Otherwise, the wonderful societies our parents and grandparents fought to build and defend will fail. If we don't speak out, our country will inevitably degenerate into the sort of dictatorial state that was the norm for most of human history. But standing up for traditional values is tough. It takes knowledge of how our societies run and how to change things. But most of all, it takes courage. Last summer, I came across a group that has both knowledge and courage galore. It's called Action for Canada. And you can learn about this group at actionforcanada.com, where you have the number four, action4canada.com. Although they're focused on Canada, everyone across the Western world has a lot to learn from this highly successful grassroots organization. I'm thrilled to have Tanya Gaw, the British Columbia-based founder of Action for Canada, as one of my two guests today. Tanya is a committed Christian and defender of faith, freedom, and family. She is the founder of Action for Canada, a not-for-profit organization committed to upholding the Canadian Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Tanya began her voyage in 2015 in response to the government passing legislation that severely impacted Canadian democracy and freedom. She's been working to give the silent majority a voice through letter writing campaigns, petitions and rallies. Action for Canada not only educates people on what is happening, they effectively equip and encourage and mobilize Canadians to take action. Tanya's greatest mission is to declare that Canada is founded on Judeo-Christian biblical principles, forming our laws and our values, and provides a system of government that sets us apart from totalitarian, extremist, and communist regimes. Because of it, we have the freedom to believe, or not believe, without fear of persecution, oppression, and even death. Wow, Tanya is so right on this. My other guest, Danielle Mayo, is the lead for the Ottawa chapter of Action for Canada. Danielle is a former kindergarten and first grade teacher. She's the spark plug that makes things happen here in the nation's capital. She leads in everything from supporting freedom and Christianity to fighting against woke authoritarians who want to lock us down in the name of a climate emergency that does not really exist. Danielle asked what audience members called the atom bomb question during the mayoral candidate debates here in Ottawa in the fall. I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, and I don't want the city to be electrified on the back of African children mining for cobalt, is essentially what she told the audience. So Danielle has courage galore. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Tanya and Danielle. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. I get excited, you know, because a lot of people might think, oh, I'm alone in my views, you know, I don't believe this politically correct nonsense. Well, you're not alone. You've got Action for Canada. Look them up, actionforcanada.com. So Tanya, can you tell our listening audience how Action for Canada came to be? 
Well, thank you, Tom, and so good to be on your show. Um, I love having good conversation with people and bringing more awareness. And so I've been at this uh, almost uh, eight years uh, since 2015 when Justin Trudeau was uh, campaigning for office. And uh, he just seemed to like to uh, campaign on every possible issue, no matter what side, you know, pick a side. He didn't know how to pick a side, so he was just campaigning on everything, trying to get as many votes as possible. Uh, but some of the policies, such as uh, legalization of marijuana, uh, recreational marijuana, and putting it in the hands of 12-year-olds. I don't care what adults' decisions they make. Well, I do care. I want people to be healthy and okay. But when, you know, the vulnerable kids at 12 years old, they're going to have easier access to it. I have a problem with that. And so I was just a regular Canadian uh, with a very small network of people consisting of family and friends and minding my own business and raising my kids. And this uh, happened to come up. And, and so I wrote my very first letter to my MP who happened to be liberal and I actually thought he cared. I was so green and so naive back then, Tom, <laughs> but I've learned that that liberal MP is part of the cabal and uh, his name is Ken Hardy and very much involved in uh, everything that Trudeau was doing. In fact, you may have heard about uh, the um, liberal MP that has been uh, associated with the uh, Communist Party of China. I read a report this morning and I, I, there was a list of 13 others MPs, 13 other MPs that uh, with potential foreign interference. And guess what? Mr. Ken Hardy was on that list. And oh. <laughs> that did not come as a surprise to me. So eight years has taught me a lot. So I started a call to action campaign and I started writing, uh, you know, bringing awareness to issues that were of uh, grave concern Bill C-16, uh, the bathroom bill allowing biological men into women and children's bathrooms, motion, motion M-103, the Islamophobia motion, just complete nonsense, uh, bills like C-75 that was lowering the consequences against sex offenders, all just gearing up and, uh, you know, getting ready for the uh, tyranny they're bringing into our classrooms and across the nation. So that's what got me started. It led to me doing the call to action campaigns and then going from a list of about 500 people on my personal email list to this massive list. I won't tell the numbers because we'll keep the government guessing. And uh, so we've got these massive call to action campaigns going on across the country. I uh, founded Action for Canada in 2019, officially, and uh, we started making, uh, creating chapters in August of 2021, and we're just going gangbusters, and uh, we're nationwide, and we've got amazing, beautiful people like Dan Danielle that's on our team. So yeah, it's really great. I didn't know about groups like yours, and it's really wonderful because they're people that are brave as well as knowledgeable. So Danielle, can you tell me what areas in Ottawa that you focus on? Uh, we are uniting residents, citizens, concerned citizens throughout Ottawa uh, and even greater Ottawa uh, because everybody is uniting, uh, trying to reach out to people who have been isolated in the last three years and who finally find people that they can talk to. Uh, we are uh, Action for Canada is particularly a group that is focused on action. Uh, so uh, that is our main uh, focus. And we use the resources that Tanya provides on the website that fits almost every 
aspect of our lives right now. And from ordinary citizens, uh, we are becoming people who are wanting to get involved. Yeah, yeah. Now, can anybody go to an Action for Canada meeting here in Ottawa, for example, or across Canada? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we have meetings uh, weekly Fridays. We have guest people trying to work with us in action. Uh, you, Tom, we ask you to come over and discuss with us how we can better get involved, participate mm -hmm. in the political arena. Yeah, and Tanya, is that the same across Canada where people in other chapters, you know, like say Saskatchewan or, you know, in Vancouver, can they, can anybody in the public go to your meetings? Absolutely. That's the whole point of it is I always say we're building communities within communities of like minded people. And so we've got amazing leadership. We've got about 100 chapters nationwide, several hundred people to vet. Our plan is to be in every town and community uh, where there's a, an election going to take place. So uh, if you've got a township, if you have a, a, a mayor and city council, if you've got a school board, we want to set up a chapter in your community. And then uh, the whole plan is, is that we're setting up parent groups. We've got teams that reach out to pastors to open up their churches so that we can have meetings in the churches to bring people in the community everybody welcome uh, in the community to these meetings. And then we strategize. We uh, target school boards and we go to school board meetings. We go to mayor and city council meetings. We go outside of schools and hand out uh, flyers that we've created to help parents bring awareness to the sexualization of their children in these nasty books. And wow. uh, we've reached out to businesses. And like I say, we reach out to pastors and give them support. So it's uh, uh, the ultimate goal as well is to um, educate people people so well within the organization that they're ready to run for office and then to assist those people to get in all levels of government. And uh, we achieved great things in the last election and we plan on being uh, really ready in the upcoming elections, but we need all hands on deck. We need people to join our chapters, keep an eye on our uh, chapter page under, if you're on our website, which is actionforcanada.com with the number four, and you go under join, you'll see A4C chapters. And uh, you can find out there's a whole list. We've got like 30 chapters in Ontario and there's more to come. Check out your province. And if there isn't a chapter, keep checking because like I said, we're betting people and there will be one in your community soon. Right. And, and you know, one thing Danielle said that I think is very valuable and that is that it gives people a sense of belonging. They can go somewhere where they find other people who share their views. You know, it can be very frustrating in society to, to know that the injection, the vaccine, they call it, it's not really a vaccine, but to know that the injection is dangerous and that it doesn't stop the spread of COVID and the masks are useless. To know all that stuff is, is wonderful, but you can't talk to anybody about it because they think you're conspiracy theorists. So I love going to Action for Canada meetings, which I've started to do regularly because there are people like me and people a lot even braver than I am. So... <laughs> Let's have Tanya update us on legal action for Action for Canada. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked because I just chatted with Rocco yesterday. <laughs> so I thought, uh, yeah, Danielle could answer this question too, but she didn't have the conversation yesterday, so I'll go for it. So um, we have filed... Rocco, uh, Rocco is the lawyer, right? 
Yes, Rocco Galati is one of the top constitutional lawyers in Canada, and I'll keep boasting that because I truly believe he is. He uh, only takes on constitutional challenges. He's had incredible success in cases. And so in 2021, we launched a legal action against the BC and federal government in response to all of these tyrannical COVID measures, these unlawful measures that are impeding on uh, citizens' rights and causing a great deal of harm. And so in August of 2022, uh, Judge Ross, we were in the courts in May uh, against uh, some of the individuals, we, uh, the, the defendants such as BC Ferries, Health Authorities, uh, Bonnie Henry, our Premier John Horgan at the time, etc. And the Judge Ross made a determination by August of 2022. Now, we did something a little bit different, and we filed a notice of civil claim that was 391 pages long, which oh. is not the standard. Usually it's a little bit shorter, but um, our strategy was a little different because, as Rocco said, this isn't a BC problem. And it's not a Canada problem, it's a global problem. So there are global actors in it, and it's awfully hard to fit that in a 25-page uh, statement of claim. Anyways, as expected, Judge Ross determined that the notice of civil claim was a little too long. <laughs> so he said, go back and do a little more work, but he said the case had merit. So uh, Rocco is uh, preparing a new uh, notice of civil claim. However, Judge Ross had also made other uh, decisions within that claim that needed to be appealed. Because if we didn't appeal them, then those decisions would stand. And it was silly decisions like uh, Rocco had quoted a Supreme Court decision in India, which said that the faxes were unconstitutional. And Judge Ross says that has nothing to do with Canada, but it's a Commonwealth country and absolutely it applies. Back in the fall, we had submitted an appeal and I was getting an update from Rocco yesterday and the courts uh, were waiting to get a date to hear that appeal. And of course they're dragging their heels because they're afraid to be in court because they're guilty. And so we're not as well going to file our notice of civil claim until we've had our day in court regarding the appeal. And so that's an update for your listeners on that. Tanya, what would be the most successful outcome you'd like to see? Oh, there's going to be a big win. <laughs> there's going to be a big win. I really believe, you know, the reason that they are uh, denying individuals access to court is uh, is because they know what they're doing is unlawful and illegal. Uh, we do have a constitution and a charter of rights, but we have very corrupt judge judges as well sitting on the bench. Our chief justice in BC is uh, Chief Justice Hinkson. And of course, he is trying to um, avoid uh, any reasonable judge to have an opportunity to oversee any of the cases. And, and so, you know, that may be a challenge, but we're not giving up and we're going to continue. And a big part of this is civil disobedience. And so it's not, uh, you know, all of uh, the participation from citizens should not be reliant on what Rocco and I achieve in the courts. It has to be the participation of the citizens in a long honored tradition of noncompliance and of civil disobedience. And so that is what we're marrying very nicely uh, with our chapters in rising up in civil disobedience and saying, look, I know my constitutional rights and I don't have to take this jab. I know my constitutional rights. I know there's no legislation that states that I have to wear a mask. And so therefore I will not be compelled to wear a mask. You cannot pass a law 
that violates a, a person's uh, right to breathe freely. And, and so we're going to keep pressing in on our legal actions. Rocco's got multiple cases. Uh, there is frustration with these corrupt judges, uh, but I won't go into detail, but I'm taking further actions on that front. And eventually the judges themselves are going to have to make a decision of how much uh, they appreciate and enjoy their seat on the bench and their paycheck. <laughs> well put. So, I mean, Canada has a constitution. This is something that, you know, Americans should know about because, of course, they have a constitution, too. So I would think that many people in our listening audience could get inspiration even for action in the U.S., right? Absolutely. And and I want to just bring up one other document. I called it a buried treasure that needs to be resurrected. Uh, David Lindsay was fantastic in bringing it up, but we have a little document, powerful document called the Coronation Oath. And the Queen signed it in 1953, and in that oath, she committed 100% that all Commonwealth nations, including Canada, would be governed by Protestant, Judeo-Christian, biblical principles. And so in the Constitution Act, Section 52.1, it clearly states in there that the Constitution is the supreme law of Canada, and in a nutshell says that anything that's in uh, violation or contradictory to it is of no force or effect. And, and so we've got, uh, you know, part of what Action for Canada is doing through our very successful notices of liability campaigns and other resources is we have uh, compelled elected officials and educated uh, citizens on what their guaranteed rights are. And so with the emergency measures, as we know, at the federal level, Justin Trudeau never enacted the Federal Emergency Act. He made backroom deals with the premiers for them to do it at the provincial level. And of course, um, you know, they passed them through first, second and third readings uh, without the public input. And it says very clearly within legislation that you have to have public input, which means that it was in violation. And even within the Federal Emergency Act, it clearly states that they, they have to respect the Charter of Rights and the Bill of Rights of every citizen, that, that, that those cannot be set aside. So the whole thing is a fraud. We've had our freedoms the whole time. Businesses never had to close down. And uh, it is in the power of the people. Knowledge is power. And when you have it, you have to use it and you have to share it and you have to be courageous. <laughs> One of the problems is that the police are prepared to enforce laws or rules that are not constitutional. And they're actually going ahead and enforcing it anyway. What does the average citizen do? Well, you know, that's interesting, uh, Tom, because I've had a lot of interaction with the RCMP top cop, um, Deputy Commissioner McDonald in British Columbia. I've sat across the table with him at corporate office in 2020. I laid everything out for him about Trudeau and about all of this scandemic. And, uh, you know, he's made a conscious decision to state that, well, you know, there's the provincial emergency measure and we got to, we've got to align with that. But the fact is, and I brought it to their attention, there's nothing in there to say that the government in that, can, in that situation can trample on our rights. Those are still guaranteed. So yeah. you're facilitating the government in the tyranny and the takeover of this nation. That's called treason, my friend, and that's complicit to treason. That's strong language, but that's what's happening. So could the outcome be that the prime minister has to step down? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. But of course, he's surrounded himself, you know, with uh, attorney generals, etc., that are supporting this uh, tyranny. And the top cop was Commissioner uh, Lucky. 
And she, as far as I'm concerned, uh, was bought and paid for. I don't have copies of checks, <laughs> but you know, she is supposed to be uh, the top commissioner is where politics is supposed to stay out of, um, you know, policing. And she has a duty and an oath to swear by to maintain the uh, to, to to protect the citizens of this nation. And I know that the RCMP that I met with have the same obstacle, though, even though there are those that said Tanya were on the same side. There are those that said it is the attorney general and the crown that will not allow us, permit us to proceed with an investigation. So we're continuing to press in. I do think there's good cops out there and I support them. I say, hang in there, please don't step down. We need those RCMP. Uh, but next week on the Empower Hour, my guest is gonna be Pastor Matthew Tuella. And he wrote a book called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. And that doctrine was written in the 1500s, and it was it ended up um, it, the first act of a lesser magistrate to defy the king's orders was in regards to uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And in and the king had King Henry V, I believe it was, had, had, had made an order to remove him and to not permit him to continue on, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, etc. And this lesser magistrate, the second in command, actually helped him to escape because he was abiding by and obeying God's law rather than man's co corrupt law. And throughout history, John Knox, etc., and others, as I'm reading this wonderful book, have done the same. And and so there is uh, the lesser magistrate are the RCMP, the police, pastors, and elected officials who have a duty based on this doctrine that they must protect the people uh, against a tyrannical government, and they must support God's law before man's law. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. <laughs> Let's say the ideal outcome happens and the judges agree with you and it's declared unconstitutional and violates the Bill of Rights and all that sort of thing. Do you think Trudeau could be arrested? I mean, theoretically. 100%. And I believe that he is going to be the first uh, prime minister removed from office. I, I, I have said this for years, even when he got reelected, um, you know, I, I'm a Christian as well. And I believe on a spiritual level that when you allow invite such evil in, uh, you know what, God comes in and he takes care of things. But uh, I think there was a matter of morality in this country where we needed to get to a pretty low point before people were willing to step up and do something about it and not just accept that we're a multicultural nation or that we're a secular nation. Those are both lies. Those are not uh, correct. We're actually historically proven that we're a Christian nation based on biblical principles. And that's what we're, our laws uh, incorporate. That's what we're governed by. And for non-Christians to say, no, we're not, we're secular. It's like, no, we're not. And secularism is as dangerous as communism and you're living that out. So you gotta pick a side, my friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, listeners to this program, especially on the America Out Loud Network, liberty and justice for all, you know, they, they would, they'll definitely agree with what you're saying. So if Trudeau is removed, Freeland is just as bad, if not worse. I mean, who would take over, do you think? Or would they call a general election? If you were governor general, would you say, okay, it's time for a proper election? 
Well, I think when this uh, house of, uh, I, I used to call it the house of COVID comes cr crumbling down, but when this house of cards starts caving in, is that people like Christia Freeland, anybody that was complicit with this, which is every single liberal, sitting liberal, and, and even previous liberal that was voted out. Uh, many years ago, pre-COVID, I always say pre-COVID was our problem. This was just a result of people being silent and not knowing uh, the bills and stuff they were passing to prepare for this day. But that I had sent every single liberal, uh, they were doing a vote, I believe, on motion M103, but saying that, uh, and other bills, Bill C-75, that if you promote this, you're committing treason against the citizens of this nation. You know, they've had their warnings. They've been notified. People like Ken Hardy, uh, you know, he's a communist infiltrator at this point. I think that, you know, that may be proven. And so I'm, I'm really uh, hoping, you know, that they're going to um, uh, arrest the whole bunch uh, by by the time I know they say it's very hard to uh, arrest an elected official, but this is beyond. This is corruption beyond anything we've ever seen. This is treason. Mm -hmm. And and I, I would I would even go so far as I would agree to uh, bring back the death penalty for the amount of uh, harm that they've caused uh, against oh, yeah. the people of this nation. So I got a question for Danielle. I know understand that you've been involved in something called a notice of liability. What is this notice of liability that you have? We at Action for Canada have many notices of liability for different issues. One of the issues that we faced in 2020 is uh, when uh, school boards were wanting to mandate the vaccine for teachers, for kids, when uh, Nilly Kaplan Mir wanted to bring back the mask in 2022, we gave out those notices of liability. These notices give us um, the ability to inform the people we are noticing that we do not agree and we are protecting our rights and freedoms and we are informing them of the documentation, of the science and of uh, everything they need to know to make an informed decision to bring back those motions. And this was very successful in Ottawa. Uh, vaccination for children was not mandated in Ontario, in Ottawa, I mean. And the mask was, was not mandated either. For uh, I'm uh, talking about the Ottawa-Carlton District School Board. Yeah, so you've been successful to some extent at holding off the onslaught of the political correctness stuff. Yes, uh, I think there's so much more to do because there is a, a notice of liability on the website actionforcanada.com for every situation uh, a concerned citizen uh, is running into, either for himself or for his family, his friends, his neighbors. So you're actually telling them that what they're doing is causing harm and it's illegal. Is that right? Exactly. And we are also giving them the information they are not receiving from media. Uh, media is often describing some uh, information and missing out on documentation that might be helpful to make a, a decision based on data. So what we are doing is just providing that data. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, let's say I'm a counselor on, on the Ottawa City Council, and I receive a notice of liability 
concerning the climate and energy plan. It says, do you realize that in Texas, when they followed plans that are similar to yours, up to 700 people died? And if you continue with these plans, you will be personally and professionally liable for the deaths of thousands of Ottawans. Is that the kind of thing that you would use it for? Exactly, because uh, we are coming from a position of saying maybe that person does not know, does not uh, know about the data. So in the process of due diligence, we are submitting the, the NOLs, notices of liability, in that process until further action, either um, as a criminal defense. How can we see the text of a typical notice of liability? The notices of liability are found on the website. So there is a full um, spectrum of uh, notices of liability. I encourage everybody to go and check them out. Mm -hmm. So if they go to actionforcanada.com, is there a, a button they can click for notice of liability? So if you go on the website, uh, in the main menu, you'll see call to action as one of the main menu topics. If you hover on that, you will see notices of liability. Click on that page and you'll be able to find the notice of liability for all things uh, related to COVID, the jab masks, as well as the notice of liability against the sexual orientation and gender identity, and as well as our 15-minute city notice of liability. Well, we have to go for a break now, so stay tuned. Right after the break, we'll continue this discussion with Tanya Ga and Danielle Mayo from Action for Canada at actionforcanada.com. Action number four, Canada.com. That's actionforcanada.com. So check it out. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. AmericaOutloud.com. 
If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Well, I'm back with Tanya Gah, the founder of Action for Canada, and her sidekick actually here in Ottawa. That is Daniel Mayo, who is the actual chapter lead for the city of Ottawa Action for Canada chapter. Tanya, can you tell us about a successful outcome from one of the notices of liability? Oh, I'd be happy to, uh, Tom. I was very excited about it. It was an exhausting effort, but so worth it. As many people know, not only in Canada, but like you say, the U.S. and around the world, uh, these tyrannical governments were putting mandates through that uh, if unless you got jabbed, you couldn't work. And in British Columbia, actually, B.C. is remains the worst province in all of Canada, and they're seeing the worst place around the world because of uh, the uh, health officer Bonnie Henry that we have that works very closely with uh, Bill Gates and because of our uh, current premier and previous premier and and so they have mandated that federal workers need to be uh, jabbed but because of our legal action that we're taking against the BC and federal government in British Columbia we had named the Minister of Education as one of our defendants and and so she didn't mandate I'm thinking this is a good reason why she didn't maybe she was uh, you know feeling a little nervous about that and but she didn't mandate for the school staff and the teachers to get jabbed in BC instead what they did is they told school boards to vote within their districts whether the school staff and teachers should be jabbed and so that was in September of 2021, but I'm going to back it up to June of 2021. So I was making a lot of these different notices of liability first started with uh, to protect our kids and get the masks off. Then a friend of mine said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. And so I made a notice of liability directed at employer saying, look, this is illegal. And either what you're doing is causing harm, you're not a medical professional. So you cannot determine whether that employee should take this jab, you're putting them in harm's way. And so across the country, we had a lot of success with individuals that, uh, you know, didn't have to take the jab and their employer uh, uh, respected that. But then it came to uh, elected officials. So I made one in June toward elected officials. And in British Columbia, we served by registered mail every single school board superintendent across BC. So we have 60 school board superintendents. In August of 2021, their association, the School Board and Trustee Association, came out uh, with a notice an internal notice stating that don't you worry about those notices of liability because according to the uh, uh, BC School Act under Section 94.1, you're immune from liability. And so we went and looked up Section 94.1 and sure enough, it said, you know, they'd be, you know, immune from certain types of liability. But then in section subsection two and four, it said, but here's where you're not immune from liability. So if you're committing, you know, uh, willful or vexatious misconduct, uh, tort, 
deception. I, I can't remember all the terms, but there you have it. So I got busy right away and I wrote a letter and we started to serve every single school board. Once that announcement announcement was made in September, we served every single one of them a notice of liability with the additional letter that I printed saying, hey, you know what, your association said this uh, about Section 94.1, but you better check out Section 94.2 uh, and 4. And so then by the end of September and into October, the school boards in BC started to have uh, votes. And wouldn't you know, but they all started voting no, one after oh. another. Yeah. So on our website, we set up a page and we had all 60 school districts, uh, you know, listed. And every time there was a voted no, we put in big, bold, red uh, print, voted no. And we we're celebrating and high-fiving, of course, in the back and going, phew, thank yeah. goodness for those school staff and teachers in that community who aren't going to be, you know, forced to take this deadly job, this deadly harmful job. Yeah. Anyways, those votes kept going until we got up to about 27 out of the 60, and then it went silent in about the end of November of 2021. And wow. then a radical, uh, I'll call him a radical, uh, school board superintendent in school district 23 decided to pull a sne sneaky and try to get the vaccine information out of his school staff by asking them to fill out this attestation or this document. So I got busy and wrote another letter and said, oh, no, no, sir, you're not allowed to do that. That's a violation of privacy, etc. And so over Christmas, we had to dig a little deeper and we got a couple of more voted no's. And in the end, come the spring, uh, we had 30 school boards who had voted no. And by April, they had lifted those mandates. <laughs> oh, wow. So I mean, it was a it was a ride, but it just shows you the power of knowing the Constitution, the Charter, and the Criminal Code. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm sure that there are listeners saying, man, this is incredible. How do I donate to this group? So how do they donate? <laughs> Oh, Tom, that would be so amazing uh, if we could get some financial support as well. So um, on our website, there's a donate button. Uh, please support us. Either become a, a monthly uh, donor or if you're a one time giver, we're just grateful and thankful for everything. Uh, so because we're fighting for every single Canadian and really for, uh, you know, other countries around the world that are, are uh, being modeled by Canada. We are literally listed as one of the most tyrannical nations under the rule of Justin Trudeau. So we're working hard to overturn that. Yeah. Now, I remember when all of the leading candidates for the uh, prime ministership of Canada, when Aaron O'Toole was the leader of the Conservative Party, they all stood in a row and they said, get the job. So... <laughs> As, have the Conservatives turned the corner? Are they actually on our side yet? No, I don't support the Conservative Party at all. Uh, they had a leadership election uh, last year. And because of the size of Action for Canada, I'd love for people to go under join, hover on that little A4C chapters, and please go take a look at the map to see what we look like currently across uh, uh, the nation. It is very exciting. It gives us uh, hope as to what we're doing. So you can imagine that these individuals that wanted to uh, head the Conservative Party would love the support of action for Canada and our people. And so all of a sudden, you know, they were reaching out to me and uh, asking for support. And I'm like, well, weren't you silent for the last three years? While, you know, businesses were being forced to shut down hundreds of thousands of business owners had to shut down their business. Weren't you silent while our elderly were being, uh, you know, um, abused in, in the homes and our children in the schools? So no, I'm sorry, you don't have my support. All of a sudden, 
you know, you were silent on, on, on your warnings. Don't take this jab. And instead you were promoting it. And so I have no respect for them. Any self-respecting conservative, there's nice people on the conservative party as MPs, step away, become an independent, do something courageous, uh, but don't just sit back, you know, and uh, continue to support this party thinking that it can somehow be resuscitated. It's done. So, look, you know, let's say there were an election tomorrow. I mean, what could you do or what would you do with regards to supporting or not supporting candidates? Well, I think what a lot of people are doing is they're rising up as independents. And then you've got Maxime Bernier from the People's Party of Canada as well, who's working real hard. Um, I visited with Maxime in uh, March of 2019. I'd met him in 2018 at one of his very first meet and greets. And I was just learning about his party. And of course, being a person of faith and knowing that our lifeline to freedom is tied to biblical Christian principles, whoever I'm going to support in the next election needs to embrace those principles and those values. And uh, Maxime does, uh, but I need a little more from Maxime before I as an organization support him. There's a few policies that I'd like to see him make part of his party. And when I went to see him in 2019, Tom, uh, I was so, like I said, so green and new back then, but I had very grave concerns on a matter of several issues. It was the political radical LGBTQ. And I got to stress, I'm not talking about the gay and lesbian community who are just wanting to live their life, uh, you know, and uh, good on them. Just like yeah. the rest of us Canadians, don't shove it down my throat. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. It's not not my way of life. And yeah. just like I'm not shoving down, you know, your throat what I believe. And so I went to talk to him about the harms that were being caused by this political radical agenda through the LGBTQ and the sexualization of our children. I talked to him about the radical Islamists, again, not the moderate Muslims that have come to this country seeking refuge, but the radicals who are uh, bringing a lot of tyranny into Canada. And if you don't know, there's at least 12 Muslim brotherhoods that are reported to sitting in the Liberal Party. There's a lot of tyranny going on there. Anyways, I left his office. We had a wonderful 45 minute conversation and uh, flew home and then had a little bit of interaction with him from time to time when I would see him as he was running for office and then continued to build that relationship. And last year, uh, when I saw me, he walked up to me, we were at a, at a, a, an event together. And he said, I have to thank you. Actually, it was two years ago. And I said, for what? And he said, when you came to see me, I was so focused on uh, finances, that I had really no other idea about these other events. And, and so really, that's what Action for Canada is doing. We're trying to invest and take the time to talk to elected officials that say to say that you may have voted on something because you were told one side of the story. And it was usually victimizing a certain group of people to push forward this agenda. But there's another side to this story. And as these elected officials are uh, providing us the time to have a conversation and provide the evidence, um, we're seeing a shift. And so I have much love and respect for Maxime Bernier. I also support the Christian Heritage Party, Rod Taylor. They yeah, are completely right on on everything across the board, 100%. So really 100% I would uh, encourage people, but they're having a little trouble getting off the ground and uh, they need a lot more support to succeed. But everything that we could possibly want for this country, Rod Taylor represents. Yeah, exactly. Now it's interesting, uh, 
a lot of people will say your group is homophobic. But what you just explained is that, no, you're not. They're gay and lesbians. I mean, if they're just living their lives, I have friends who are gay and lesbian, and they basically say, look, you know, we don't like these pride parades because people are getting out with really extreme actions and extreme activities. It doesn't represent the majority of the gay and lesbian community. These are exhibitionists. These are people who are trying to force it on society, which, of course, they don't like either, you know, which I, I found kind of interesting. And so, again, you're, you're not homophobic, are you? You just let people live as long as you don't try to force us to live the way they do. Right. I mean, that's just a bunch of word warfare, right? Trying to shut down your enemy by by humiliating them or calling them names. I'm like, are we in junior high school again? And, you yeah. know, actually elementary school, this is the mentality of these individuals, right? And yeah. and so I just can't even bother to buy into that. I mean, it's like, how tolerant do we need to be? Isn't isn't there a limit when it comes to pedophilia and normalizing pedophilia and furries and yeah. BC in our classroom? I mean, yeah. shouldn't, we, shouldn't we all be outraged by this? Is that yeah. makes me a Homophobe, go ahead, uh, name, you know, charge me and, and, and name me as a homophobe. But you know what? Sticks and stones. And it's like, what, what's that saying? It's, it bounces off me and sticks on you. Rubber. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at sayings, but I don't care what they call me. I mean, yeah. this is a fight for the purity and the sanctity of our children who are the future of our nation. Well, right? that's right. I have a picture of my grandfather right here. I'll just show you. He, uh, he was a World War One guy. And he was very, very candid about about everything. You know, he just stood up for good values, and he was left for dead in a trench. Actually, I'll send you, and I'll put under the under the web page. Actually, he wrote, uh, "And so we joined the army." You know, and he was an English instructor at Bishop's College, so he actually writes quite well. So yeah, I'll send it to you, and also put it under. The, and that reminds us what we were fighting for what our parents and grandparents are fighting for. And so many people, they take it for granted. They're afraid to stand up. These people, I mean, they, in many cases, lost their lives and they lost most of their friends trying to stand up for a decent society. So anyway, this talk, discussion about schools, it actually brings up the next topic. And this is something I'd like to direct to Danielle because Danielle used to be a kindergarten and grade one teacher. So she has direct experience of what it's like and, and what we should or shouldn't be doing. Now, it's been six years since the British Columbia government made it mandatory for school districts and independent schools to include what they say is explicit reference to something called, and this is a bit of a wild term, sexual orientation and gender identity, or it's called SOGI, S-O-G-I. Now, since, since then, all 60 school districts in the province are now part of something called SOGI 123, Educator Network. So, Danielle, can you tell us what is this SOGI 123 and how does it impact the students? I will start by talking about the curriculum. Uh, the curriculum here in Ontario um, is talking about, uh, I mean, uh, sexual education, health health and sexual education they're talking about grade one they uh, identify an objective is to identify body parts including genitalia and how they function i'm just reading from the curriculum here and then grade two communicate about changes in their body and to a trusted adult if they ever feel confused and then grade five, understanding their personal identity, including sexual orientation. Grade five, that's an eight-year-old 
<laughs> and then uh, and grade six impacts on viewing sexuality explicit media including pornogra- pornography um grade, grade six, six. Grade grade six. six. <laughs> they, they are nine years old impact on viewing sexually explicit media including pornography grade six um this is to show uh, the other the other aspect i would like to bring up is the amount of of resources that this um this issue is generating um they have a social multidisciplinary team i'm talking about ocdsb as an example each school has a team in place comprised of a social worker psychologist learning support teacher principal equity program staff support um, trans and gender diverse students support coordinator and the list goes on and on and on there's a full page of people in that service all the while i checked out the provincial results for reading writing and math oh right right let's say grade three uh, and i'm quoting from the education quality and accountability office uh, uh, the acronym is EQAO, and I'm talking about the 2021-2022 provincial result, results in grade three, level three and four in math, there are 59% children that are reaching a level three and four in math. And then reading 73%, writing 65%. That means that four out of 10 kids cannot calculate at a level that is functional. It means that- Sorry sorry to interrupt, but sorry to interrupt, but is that partly because they're focused not on the basics, math, you know, reading and and that sort of thing. They're focused instead on this, so G one, two, three stuff. Is Is that why you think the results are actually falling? This is exactly it. Uh, The Funds are going to equality, diverse, SOGI programs and are not going towards learning how to read, how to write, and how to calculate. If one, if three out of 10 students in grade three, and I'm not mentioning grade six, grade nine, and I'm not mentioning every grades because it can fluctuate, but if in grade If at this time in 2021, three out of 10 kids cannot read, three out of 10 kids cannot write, four out of 10 kids cannot calculate, uh, the funds are misdirected. That is so obvious. And if you talk to any parent, they will tell you the same thing. So, and what, you know, you're a teacher or you were a teacher for a long time, 30 years, you said, eh? Yes. Now, what would you say is the appropriate age to start teaching them about this? Or is there any age at which it's appropriate for the schools to be doing it? Should it simply be something the parents do? What I especially find very corrosive is that the schools have a special relationship with the children. They have a special relationship with the parents. Um, There is a feeling of trust that is already embedded in the school system uh, where 
parents mostly trust teachers uh, they mostly trust principals and this becomes a very pervasive environment where mm -hmm. children can be very vulnerable uh, just because if they are if they already uh, experiment a bit of frustration, difficulty at home, this can be perceived as confusion. And then they are immediately fast tracked to so many, um, so many difficult situations that they will have to deal with the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now we only have five minutes left. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about climate change propaganda. <laughs> because oh, that's my real strongest interest. And I think of what we're seeing is we're moving towards a climate lockdown. And Danielle, can you tell us, I mean, do you think that's an exaggeration or do you think that climate lockdowns are possibly in our future? Um, I do believe that if we do not act now, uh, there might be uh, consequences. Um, and especially uh, what we are doing right now in Ottawa uh, with Action for Canada is we are setting up and trying to strategize to have delegations, talk to committees, especially climate change uh, committee, um, where we have five minutes to give counselors great information. And we suspect sometimes they don't have time to read the reports. So uh, with your help with ICSC Canada, we are working very hard to educate mm -hmm. and, to, uh, and to make sure that these counselors understand the responsibility they have towards their constituency. Yeah, exactly. Well, as I said, in Texas, there are multi-million dollar lawsuits where the Texas authorities and the electricity companies did not put the safety of their constituents as the top priority. And I think that this, this notice of liability, I think that's going to be a very important tool for us. So to wrap up, Tanya, can you tell us what your future plans are? We have about three minutes to go. Well, we're, we're staying busy, Tom, and uh, we've got this momentum going. And so we're very focused on um, really committing ourselves to uh, vetting uh, future leaders uh, for the chapters. We, as I said, want to be in every town and community across this nation because I believe there's the power of the people within their own community to vote in individuals that will replace all these uh, tyrannical leaders. And we had success in the last election in doing that. And I think as more people become aware, we're going to have even greater success in the future. We're going to continue to front, fight on the front line for our kids in the school system. SOGI123 and the WinSex Ed in Ontario are all part of the Comprehensive Sexuality Education, which is being uh, mandated to uh, uh, from the UN to member nations. That is where all of this is the, the hub of this uh, pedophilia is coming from. It really is a grooming network. Oh, wow. and, and so we're on the front line of uh, pulling that out of the schools. It's part of a Marxist agenda, a Marxist agenda that includes critical race theory and the climate change propaganda that you so brilliantly joined us on the Empower Hour a couple of weeks ago and you talked about climate change propaganda in the schools. And I'd highly recommend people find that uh, video um, on your website and our, uh, on our own and listen to it. So we believe that once we start pulling Soji out, and I believe we're going to be 
successful, the rest of the Marxist agenda will crumble. At the same time, we are going to continue to pursue the legal actions. I have several other legal actions that we'll be pursuing as well. And uh, we're just uh, dis disrupting it. It took them decades, 50 years, 60 years uh, to come to this point, And we're going to finish them off in five or six years. That's that's my plan. <laughs> Oh, wow. This is wonderful. Well, as I say, one of the things I really like about Action for Canada, not only that you take action, which, of course, my grandfather would thoroughly approve of, but also the fact that it gives people like a home. They can go every Friday night in the case of Ottawa, and they can actually be with people that are like them. You know, it's hard to speak out when you think you're alone. But when you're with other people like us, like people who believe in freedom, you know, and actually the family and all these things, I think that it, it really emboldens people. It really strengthens them. So, you know, I really encourage people, have a look at actionforcanada.com and join a local chapter because this group is truly wonderful. You know, and you don't have to be religious either. Is that the case true? Is that true, Tanya? Yep, that's a hundred percent. You know, we're we're inviting everybody within the community to be part of this. And you know, when one other thing, you know, we can say that uh, Action for Canada is building these chapters, but we want you to understand that one of the greatest part of it is community. That people have felt very isolated. They felt very alone. I had two women totally different parts of the country in different provinces tell me in one week some months ago that they were about to commit suicide because they were so desperate in their situation and so alone. And uh, they had ended up hearing about Action for Canada and joined a chapter and found the love and the support in the community that they were in need of. And and so, yes, we're very active, but part of our goal as well is to love on people and give them support. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I really encourage people, look up actionforcanada.com. This is an inspiration for me. It's an inspiration, I think, for anybody hearing this. And certainly you demonstrate the courage that's necessary to win this war, because it is a war, isn't it? It is. There's powers and numbers. And, uh, you know, a, a small fraction, like I said, brought this tyranny, tyranny on. We are the majority and we need to come together in a collective and organized way if we're going to win this battle. So, Tom, it has really been a pleasure being on here with both you and Danielle. Well, that has been a really fun interview. Thanks, both of you, for being on. Danielle Mayo, the Ottawa Chapter Lead for Action for Canada, and Tanya Gaw, the founder of Action for Canada, a wonderful group I encourage people to learn about. Here in Canada, you can join a local chapter. Go to actionforcanada.com. This is Tom Harris signing out from the other side of the story.